FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 115 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. Uh, basically, we're going to wrap up all the Wolverine-related material for January of 2015. Holy crap. Jan 1-5, yo. So basically, we'll do, we'll catch up on the Wolverines miniseries. We'll, uh, the Wolverine what? The Wolverines. What did I say? Is that not what I said? No, that you said it. I just wanted to make weird commentary. Oh, okay. Emphasis on the weird. Anyway, um, and of course we'll, we'll go to the Ultimate Universe with the all-new X-Men, and we'll kick off the new Uncanny Avengers. All this and more on this week's The Podcast That Goes Snicked. Snick, snick. All right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What, what, what? Before we can get to the comics, we have to talk about some news. News? We would be remiss if we were the only podcast that didn't mention this. What are we mentioning? Am I out of the loop again? Probably. Probably. Alright, so Marvel, as you know, has been building up and teasing for a long time their new Secret Wars series. Secret Wars? What? Yeah. Zombie Apocalypse? Huh? No, no, no. Back in the 80s, there was a Secret Wars miniseries. Actually, two. It was basically just all the heroes coming together to fight. So, the new Secret Wars... So, it'd be like the WWF, only the WWM. Sure, yeah. Yeah. WW Marvel. Yep. So we've known for a while that the new Secret Wars was going to kind of fold out of uh, Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run, mm-hmm. which has been focusing on these incursions or dimensions colliding and like canceling each other out or the threat of canceling each other out. So like wormholes and stuff? Yeah, kind of. So we knew that this Secret Wars would feature different versions of different characters from different dimensions, timelines, whatever. Okay. And there's been a lot of speculation that this would be Marvel's way of doing the new 52 where they kind of reboot their universe. The B-52s? Yes. Love shot! Baby, love shot! I was trying to think of the words. What is it? Tin roof, baby! No, you gotta go, bang, bang! On the door, baby! Bang, bang! This is my French Snyder voice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Rock Lobster. <laughs> I don't know if that's any good or not. Probably not. I'm going to err on the side of caution and say that that sucked, but who knows. Um, well, anyway, well, Marvel officially confirmed that the universe is ending for Secret Wars, which means that after Secret Wars, we will have a mashup of different universes kind of in a new Marvel universe. AKA, they can do whatever the hell they want. Pretty much, yeah. So they're going to take a little bit from here and a little bit from here. Basically, they're going to take the best versions of all their characters and put them in one universe. Okay. So you may be asking yourself. Or not. (laughs) Is this my house? How did I get here? (laughs) Weird keyboard sound. You may find yourself. Anyway, um. Who are you and what did you do with my husband? I'm different 80s uh, montages, art, art rock pop stars. Alrighty. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so just you know, a little David Byrne, French Schneider. 
you know, rolled into one weird rocktopus. That's what I am. I'm a rocktopus. Wow. Okay. Back on topic. <laughs> so you may be asking yourselves, uh, Wolverine's dead. He won't be in Secret Wars, right? Well, no, Wrong. he will. I mean, not our Wolverine that we know and love, but different Wolverines from different universes will probably partake in Secret Wars. And not only that. Because Wolverine never, ever, ever dies. Well, <laughs> I would bet money, big dinero, mucho dinero, big bucks, that when all this is over and we have our new universe, we will have a version of Wolverine in it. So what this basically does is it gives them a get-out-of-jail-free card to have Wolverine back in comics, but they don't have to undo his death. Our Wolverine is still dead, and now a different Wolverine will be Wolverine. Although... But he's still actually, quote-unquote, Logan, or Wolverine, so... Of course, once we... He'll probably be a little younger. When we dive into these comics, though, that may not be the case. We'll see. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I doubt it. What I hope they don't do... Is go back to some Wolverine before he learned his memories, or in a different universe where he doesn't know his. Like I enjoyed, like starting all over. I enjoyed all the many years of him trying to find stuff out and not knowing who he was or where he came from or like kind of the blank slate. But I don't need to read all those stories again. I already read them all. So I, I hope we don't go too far backwards, I guess is what I'm saying. But we'll see what they decide to do. It also makes me wonder what's going to happen to this series. I thought they were going to go like a whole year, but Secret Wars starts in May, I think. Maybe it'll collide. They'll find know. other dimensional Wolverine. Yeah, and they'll know. be like, wait, you're not the real Wolverine. Ugh. And he'll flip his hair and go, yes, I am. <laughs> And then there'll be this tug of war of who's the real Wolverine. Well, so besides Wolverine coming back, the main impetus for this is that everybody wants, because no one really reads the Ultimate Universe that much anymore, but everybody loves Ultimate Spider-Man. So there's been a big kind of clamoring over the last few years that people want Miles Morales in the regular universe. And so that I think that's a lot of what's behind this is to get him over and to bring back Wolverine and we'll see what else kind of changes and mashes up. It was really weird in the press conference they referred to it as mashing together p- different pizzas and taking the best toppings. It was it was a weird analogy. What? <laughs> yeah. I want to I wanted to have a talk with that marketing yeah. person. Anyway, so that's our news. Yeah, so let's talk about some comics. Here we go. Hey, hey, we're the Wolverines. And people say we snaked around. But we're too busy healing for anyone to keep us down. That's right. It's time to catch up on the Wolverines weekly series. We have three issues to talk about. I'm going to talk like Cobra Commander for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Well, I sound like Kermit the Frog, so I guess it pays <laughs> off. That'd be a good team up. Cobra Commander and Kermit the Frog. Yeah, or uh, what was uh, what was Kermit's evil twin in uh, Muppets Most Wanted? Oh, uh, I have no idea. Constantine. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Anyway. So you uh, can have Kermit's evil twin and Cobra Commander. Yes. Hosting the podcast that goes snick. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would gladly hang up my headphones for that. Our Const- Constantine had an accent, right? Yes. Yeah, I can't do it. But anyway, um, 
I could if I heard it and I could parrot it back, but I can't just think of it. Um, anyway, we have three issues of Wolverines to talk about, and two, three, and four. And we'll catch up with our friends and Wolverine, friends and family. The friends and family, the family package. The family. This is the family. Yep. All right. So let's start off with Wolverines number two. Okay. So this one, uh, writer is Ray Fonks. How do you pronounce that? Oh, yeah, Ray Fox. I just completely realized I thought Charles Soule was doing this whole series. He's not. All right. Okay, so writer is Ray Fox. 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 It's like Guy Fox from V for Vendetta. Okay. Never saw that. Oh. Art is by Allison Borges. I Allison really Borges. should Borges. not do these names. I don't know. Gorgeous Borges. Okay. Colorist is Israel Silva and Brett Smith. Letterer is VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo. No. It's a woohoo. All right. And our cover is by Nick Bradshaw and FCO Placentia. <laughs> Placenta. I don't know. I, I feel bad because this person is a really good colorist. And I think this is the same person that colors the Rasputin book for Image. And that book looks amazing. Well, the colors on here are awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I jest with the name and probably give that poor colorist. You probably piss him off. And he probably curses your name every day he gets out of bed. I don't know if it's a, a he or she. But yeah, and probably give, I'd probably give them bad, like, fourth grade flashbacks. They can't kid, pronounce my name. kids made stupid jokes like that. But hey, I never grew up, so sue me. We live in Never Never Land. Yes, with Michael Jackson <laughs> constantly molesting us. Oh, Debbie Downer. That was creepy, babe. Hey, I didn't do it. He did it. All right, let's get to this cover. So yeah. on the cover... By Nick Bradshaw, we have Mr. Sinister doing magic, I guess. I don't know what he's doing. He's welcoming you with open arms. Yeah, he, he wants a, an evil hug. But you have to get past his blue glowing hands, orange glowing chest, and red glowing forehead. Basically, he looks like he wants to give you a nuclear hug. Yes, Ra- with the evil Radioactive, <laughs> radioactive. Hug. <laughs> I was thinking of that Journey song, Open is, Arms. Yeah, that too. And he is giving the thing where he looks down but stares at you. The mad mommy look. No, yeah, the evil nephew look. Yes. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's a fine cover, I guess. I think it's very cool. I really do. What makes this cover is the colors. The colors are pretty sweet. The use of uh, the bright, muted colors with the dulled tones really pop. The dulcet tones of my voice. For those of you out there, I'm sorry. I'm getting over some sort of upper respiratory thing. Yeah. So if she bows out, I'll she'll, uh, she'll tag me. We'll be a tag team. Tag. Was that legit or are you just No, uh, I just want to punch you in the arm. Oh, okay. All right. So what happens? Remember when we left off at the Paradise Facility... Uh, Mr. Sinister cut off Dawkins' arm, took his eye, and took Wolverine's corpse. And the Wrecking Crew is going to fight our team of Wolverines. And that's where we are. So Mystique is outside. She obviously has some sort of an earpiece to yeah. the inside. She's trying to get it, get the situation, get the sitch. Yeah, and I have to say, I love the art of Mystique with her hair blowing. Yeah. Okay, so this, well, I'll, I'll save that for the end. Okay. So, anyway, I just think that's a beautifully drawn panel with the stars and the, the clouds. 
Yes. And so the people that are on the outside are asking, Mystique, what's going on? What do we need to do? That would be Indo and Neuro. So then we flash to the inside, and our team of Wolverines are just getting beat to high holy goodness. My favorite part is where the wrecking ball guy goes, oh man, I got Harry's psycho smeared all over my steel. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And he just crushed Sabretooth's face. Yeah, but basically they're tearing these guys up. And then Dawkins doing some kind of thriller (laughs) dance. dance? He's doing the thriller, uh, a cross between the thriller dance and the pee-pee dance. (laughs) I guess he's running on pure adrenaline because when last we saw him, he was on the floor in a Horrible shock. Yeah. Well, and and they're trying to get him to stand still and so just he, right. stop. So he doesn't bleed out. So then we flash back to outside, and Mystique is basically, she's getting orders ready. She goes, all right, Neuro, get ready for an emergency medical evac. Neuro's like, I, I'm not a doctor. Like, I don't know what you're thinking, lady. Well, download it. Yeah. Basically. And then she tells Indo to run real fast and get docking out of there. We go back to the inside, and they're... They're trying to keep Dawkins from moving around, but he's in such shock that he's just, he's everywhere. Right, and he wants to kill Sinister. He's not there anymore. I do like this panel uh, in the middle of this page. Because we're facing her, we can see Indo, even though she's running really fast, but she's like surrounded by the black shadow. I don't know, just a really cool panel. Yeah, but she gets tripped. So what happens here? I'm still not quite sure. I never under I never figured it out. He threw the crowbar, right? His magic it, crowbar. Yeah, and, and it, tripped her. Somehow he was able to 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 do it fast enough. I guess that's why it's magic. Well, and it's like a it, boomerang because it comes yeah, because it comes back and he catches it. Because at first I thought she was just running and she was clumsy and she tripped over it. Yeah. And then until I like oh studied the panel below it. Yeah, and she hits her head pretty hard. Yep. And so basically. But then Mystique shows up. And she's like, hey, guess what? I know you're here because somebody paid a bounty. Right. So guess what? I'll pay you more and you leave us the hell alone. Right. There's no reason for us to be fighting except for y'all are just mad. Right. You just want to hit something. And if you don't like my plan, I will disguise myself and hurt everyone you love. Yep. And you know I can do it. You know I'm good for it. Either, Either way. I'm good for the money and I'm good for ruining your lives. So you choose. So basically... They agree. The wrecking ball guy doesn't want to. He's still pissed. He just wants to fight. But the cro- magic crowbar guy is like, no, wait, this this sounds good. We're, we're basically getting paid double. We got what Sinister wanted, so he owes us a check. She wants to pay us again. I, I say we take it. Uh, Mystique tells everybody, okay, let's go. Mama saved your asses. So they get Dawkins into the ship, um, which... I don't know why everyone is surprised that it's cloned. Why is that such a big deal? What? It says the challenger, it can, or the changeling, oh, yeah. it can cloak. And she says, surprise. Like, right. why is that such a big surprise? I, don't, I guess because Nero is like, oh, I didn't know. It's like Star Trek, man. Yeah. So then we kind of have a coming to Jesus meeting because... I'm coming to Mr. Sinister meeting. Yes, because half these guys don't know who Mr. Sinister is, and the other half do. So there's this argument of, who is this guy? What does he want? Well, I love how Sabretooth says, he's just a bastard. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is. Sabretooth's just calling it as it is. Of course, he leaves out the fact that he used to work for Mr. Sinister. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) He was one of his original marauders. I do like how X-23 
She gets really emotional with Dawkins. She does, but I think it's because, I mean, she saw Wolverine as kind of a father figure. Right. And Dawkins' his son, and the last that she knows of, like, remaining family. Lineage. Yeah. So she sees him as his kind of, her, as her kind of long-lost brother, and it's kind of her job to protect him. Right. So, um, so even though she doesn't really like him, she loves him as a brother. Yeah. Not, not like she's in love with him, but she loves him like a brother. So while everyone's kind of discussing how much blood Dawkins lost and how are they going to Well, I like him. how she jumps all over Sabretooth, though, because people still, and we'll see this in, in the coming books, the people just still don't want to believe that he's... He's good. He's turned over this new leaf. Yeah. And she's like, how about we help Dawkins before you worry about who you're going to kill next, you murderous psycho. Well, and I, I do love how she's got her... Uh, she immediately puts her fist like towards his stomach. Right, like I'm gonna pop my one more bad word, and I, I pop my claws right into you. Yeah, um, so I, I just I love this sort of like emotional turmoil that she's going through at the moment. And then, of course, no issue is complete without an internal monologue <laughs> of Shogun <laughs> and between Sharp and Ogun, yeah. known as Shogun, Shogun or Shogun. And so basically. The little voice is like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you dare. And he's like, but I can. I can save him. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll snap your hand. You won't. I'm, I'm going to make sure you can't do it. But I can help him. And so basically, you find out that Sharp or Shogun found a vial of that healing serum. Yeah, the regen serum. Of course, everyone's like, what? And people aren't too sure about it. Next 23 says, you just want to watch him die? Like, what well, do we have to Well, because is like... Wait, they all have healing factors. It's not our fault he lost his. Right. Yeah, you know, kind of his, his bad luck. But we're trying to get Wolverine to get a healing factor so we can survive. We know the odds are kind of against us succeeding. If you have this, we should use it on one of us. Right. You know, me. <laughs> right. But, um, like, he's already dead. Save yeah. it on somebody who's not yet dead. Yeah, so X-23 almost dies across the table to cut Nero's face off. Yeah, so they decide to give him... Well, what do you think? So we have these two very, very tiny speech bubbles. Okay, so these little tiny speech bubbles appear in a lot of the books, and they're always off-panel. You have no idea who's saying them. And I have well, zoomed... It looks like Sharp is saying these, like he's Whoa. whispering something. Maybe a control word or something like that. But why would it, he use a control word in this situation? Well, and why are there two? And I've zoomed in on them, and they're just... Letters on top of each other. Yeah, they're gobbledygook. So I don't know. We get this sort of weird something's being said. And then we sharp. get the Pulp Fiction scene after the overdose. Yeah. Uh, John Travolta stabs the uh, adrenaline through the, the sternum. So he, he stabs the region... He stabs it into Dawkins' chest, and he freaks out for, for about an eyeballs. hour. What? Dawkins has both eyeballs. No, that's a black hole. We're seeing like Look. a reflection. I don't think it's supposed to be an eyeball. Okay. It looks like an eyeball to me. Anyway, Dawkins still got the needle sticking out of his chest, and he's convulsing, and he's screaming. <laughs> I like how X-23 stays at his bedside. Yeah, I do too. She's watching over him. She's really, really concerned. And of course, Doc is having nightmares about the two horrible things that happened to him. Right. He's dreaming about Siphon and Mr. Sinister. Yeah, ripping his arm off. And lo and behold, our remorseless 
punk-ass son of Wolverine has feelings. Yep. X-23 is talking about how they're family. She's going to stay behind, beside him no matter what. She's there for him no matter what. They don't have the best history. No. And Dawkins, he, he sheds a little tear. So then we go and we're in Finland. Lapland, Finland. And this is obviously where Mr. Sinister is hiding out. And he has two little, like, uh, ginormous vials. Yep, one with Dawkins' arm and one with Wolverine's adamantium corpse. Yeah. Now, where'd that eyeball go? Well, it's either floating tiny in that uh, thing with Dawkins' arm, or maybe he put it in his pocket. No, I have no idea. No, no. That thing has pockets. Maybe he ate it. Ew. Sinister's got his little, like, minions. Yeah. That are bald on top and long hair on the... Business in the front and party in the back. It's like hair, but it comes out between their shoulder blades. It's really weird. Yeah. Anyway, he's basically scanning... The uh, the adamantium corpse of Wolverine trying to find a way in. Yes. And then we go back to Shogun and Nero and Mystique and Lady Deathstrike. And they're basically saying, you know, we they don't know where Sinister is. Yeah, but Nero says, no, we do. We all have a tracking device. And this one was in Dawkins' arm. Sinister's going to lead us right to himself. Oh, stupid Sinister. <laughs> So, but then, what am I seeing? Like, what is this? Oh, basically, they're explaining how Sabretooth makes all these all these genetic experiments. So we have, like, evil Cyclopses, evil Wolverines, evil Nightcrawler. Sabretooth? Who? What? You said Sabretooth. This is how Sabretooth makes. Oh, Sinister. Oh, okay. Sorry. So Sinister makes all these genetic experiments based on his favorite mutants, the X-Men. And basically, they say... You know, he makes these horrible things. So how do we even know we can get into this place? Of course, Mystique is like, well, even if there is a tracking device, Sinister will find it and get rid of it. And Nero's like, nope, that's the thing. It matches your genes. It blends into your genetic material. So you can't find it. You can't find it. And even if but you searched for didn't it. Didn't they all take theirs out? I thought so. So apparently you can find it. <laughs> Apparently. Not sure about that part. Anyway, we go back, Sinister, and of course, I love the overlay, because it's, who's talking here? Uh, Sharp? No, no, Nero. So Nero's basically saying that no, nothing is impenetrable, and, no, and breaking in is possible. But that speech bubble lands on the page of Wolverine's adamantium corpse. Yeah. So I feel like they're kind of giving us a cookie here. Like, yeah, we can break in. We can break into anything. Well, yeah, that that really gets played up in one of the later issues. Yeah. So um, but they decide, well, it is possible, but we can't do it. We need help. So we're going to go find Phantomel. And she's a completely new character, right? Yes. So let's talk about issue number three. Okay. Or wait, let's, what do you want to grade in issue number two? First of all, I this is the artist that did the pages we really liked from issue one. And I they love did this whole the issue. Art. I thought the art was really great. Colors were great. Story was pretty good. Yeah, what do you want to grade number two? I'm going to give it five out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it four out of six claws. What for? Um, kind of over these reject weapon X guys. All right. So, issue three, we meet Phantomel, 
this is written by Charles Soule with art by Juan Doe. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Andy Clark and Marte Gracia. Now this, see, this is what Clark is good at. Drawing covers. I thought you were about to say drawing foxes. Well, that too. Then I, really, I was going to have weird banter I think about the fox which looks one's really, the fox. <laughs> which one's the fox? The foxy lady or the foxy fox? I wonder why Ray Fox didn't do this issue with the fox on the cover. He should have. He should have foxed it up. So basically on the cover, we have Phantomel standing over her fox. And I think this is a really cool cover. I really like it. I really like how it sort of in one sort of snapshot plays up a little bit about her, how she travels to different countries. I like that she has a fox. Charles Soule must be an animal lover like me because both his new character here and his main new character he introduced in Inhumans, the reader, has a dog. Anyway, it reminds me of, because all my favorite G.I. Joes growing up came with pets. You have the, the second Snake Eyes that came with the wolf timber. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mutt came with Junkyard. Spirit had that eagle. I think his name was Freedom. Then you had Raptor came with a uh, like an eagle or a falcon or whatever. And then Voltar came with a vulture. I think that was his name. I don't Ew. remember. That was a little bit later. Uh, yeah, Croc Master had a crocodile. Um, How'd that one work? I don't know, but it was a cool figure. I used to <laughs> love it. I yeah. We ended up somehow with like one crocmaster, but somehow through other friends or whatever, ended up with like four crocodiles. It was great. Um, oh, and the guy, um, what was his name? Spearhead, I think. The guy who had the orange camo, had a bobcat. I still love collecting the G.I. Joe animals. So I feel like me and Charles Soule are a kindred spirit. He likes giving his heroes pets, and I like my heroes having pets. Well, I like that the fox, you find out in the, the book that the fox and... Phantomel. Um, uh, so I was really confused at first. And I was trying to figure out if this was supposed to be the girl personality of Phantom X that tried to uh, sweep with Psylocke. But I don't. it's not. It's a new character. But the name is so similar. I thought that was a little weird. Like I, I feel like you intentionally are thrown in that direction. But then that's not who it is. Anyway, so basically we find out she is a thief for hire. And so her fox on the inside doesn't really look like a fox anymore. No, um, he looks like a weird dog. Yeah, some kind of weird like. I do like how they talk to each other. Yeah, so they're telepathically linked. They're going to try to steal the Punisher's shirt. So they breached one of his underground lairs. He's taking a nap. He is taking a nap with his Punisher shirt on. He has a big toe hole in his sock. I love how he has his gun and his knife and his boots laid out perfectly. Yes. Well, he's a military man. And he's got all kinds of weapons and stuff inside. So they're going to try to get his shirt. And the way they do that is they cast an illusion. I guess that's one of one of their powers. Uh, it looks like it's uh, Phantomel's powers in play here. They cast an illusionary flame on the Punisher. As if he's on fire. And then we have one of my favorite things. The Because their idea is that if they make the shirt me on fire, he'll wake up and be like, oh, my shirt's on fire, and rip it off. You know, just like he would do to a to a girl. You set her shirt on fire, so she rips it off for you. Ooh. <laughs> just kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, but I love the way the Punisher reacts. Is he like, like, oh, my shirt's on fire, WTF. 
And you get some night vision goggles to see that it's not really on fire. Right. Um, like all army men. And Fantomel says, who does that? Who wakes up being on fire and then checks to see if they're actually on fire? And he doesn't panic at all. I, just, I thought that was really great and so Punisher. Anyway, I also like, because when I first saw the gun and the knife on the floor, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense, military man. But the Punisher would have his gun under his pillow. Well, it turns out he does both. Yeah. <laughs> so he grabs the gun out from under his pillow and just starts firing away. But then it actually turns out good as they have a skirmish. They see his Red Skull Thunderbolt shirt, which Charles Soule wrote Thunderbolts for a little bit, right? So I think it's funny that they make a joke about it. Basically, they get the shirt, they skedaddle, they get away, they don't really want to tussle with the Punisher. And they go to Barcelona, Spain, at the Hotel Majestic, to her buyer, who's buying the shirts. And the buyer says, no, no, the Punisher wore this shirt while he was briefly a member of a team known as the Thunderbolts. Very tumultuous. Although apparently he had his moments. <laughs> it's kind of a knockout. It's just Charles Soule kind of make, poking fun at his own book. Anyway, then he's like, oh, but it's not in very good shape. And the fox is like, he's going to complain about bite marks. Maybe he should go get the shirt his damn self. <laughs> right. But Phantomel plays it off. It's like, oh, those are bullet holes from the Punisher's gun. And like, oh, that'll make it so much more valuable. Great. And then this other guy comes in. Drunken Superman. Yeah, I don't really know. Somehow he's Phantomel's friend or whatever. And he gets all philosophical on her. We find out a little bit about Phantomel's personality. She will steal all these things, but nothing that can be used as a weapon. Because he wants her to get... He has like a laundry list. A goblin stuff. glider. Yeah. I like... I knew like his list though. Um, one of Shield. Captain America's shields. One of Luke Cage's tiaras from his 70s Power Man... Early 80s Power Man days. I thought that was pretty great. He wore like a tiara in his fro. You're kidding, right? Well, it was more like... It was a, real, it was a metal headband. But people make fun of it now as looking like a tiara. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, this guy waxes poetically that they have enough money, they don't need to steal. And he alludes that all this money is his power. Like he can counterfeit or he can... Yeah, maybe just a trust fund, maybe. I don't really know. Well, no, but it says that they were both in um, paradise together. Maybe he just stole it. Because she goes, um, he says, I can get us as much as we need. You said you weren't going to do that anymore. I said I was going to stop drinking, too. And then he takes a chug. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they talk about how we're both as cracked as this table. You know what will happen soon enough? This. And he throws a pile of money on the table and nothing happens. He's like, oh. And she says, you see, just because we're cracked doesn't mean we have to. And then everything shatters. <laughs> and she's got a piece of glass in her arm. And then Siphon comes out and yeah. he says, heal. I, was re- I knew... We were, but I was really hoping we weren't going to see any more of Siphon. Yes, but this Siphon's a whole lot cooler than last Siphon. Is he? He's cooler looking. He does look cooler. He looks like an evil demon monster guy, um, and he kind of glows. That's kind of cool. Actually, he looks kind of like a skinnier killer croc. Anyway, they try to fight him, and they can't, and someone shoots off both his hands, and ta-da, it's X-23 to the rescue. Woohoo! They're, they came to, to get gather up Phantomel. All right, so what do you think of the art? This is the same Wando that drew uh, the Lady Deathstrike issue that we liked from the I Rogan Legacy. I love this art. 
I didn't like it quite as much this issue. This issue. I did like it. I don't know. But I still enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the story. It's a good introduction to Phantom L. I liked kind of fighting the Punisher. So, the only thing I didn't like was Siphon showing up. I'm over that guy. I don't like that character. I want to know why he wants to Siphon, like... He wants, every, he wants to steal everybody's healing factor. But why? Because he's part of Weapon X. And everyone well, at Weapon X only cares. He says he's hungry. He so only cares about healing factors anymore. Yeah, so after he eats all the healing factors, he dies? Maybe he'll quit being hungry. Maybe he'll somehow transform into something else. I have no idea. I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> so what are you going to grade it since you don't really care? Um, I'm going to grade Wolverine's number three, four out of six claws. What are you going to give it? Five out of six. Okay, consistency. All right, so now let's move on to number four. We're back to Ray Fox. This is Ariella Christentina. I was glad to see her back. She did the X-23 issue of uh, Logan Legacy. Uh, Sonia Oback is a colorist. BC's Corey Pettit is a letterer. And the cover is again by Andy Clark and Marte Garcia. I, you know, what I meant to say last time, you know, I kind of complained about Andy Clark's art in the Mystique issue. I mean, kind of ugly at times. But I think both these covers he did are pretty good. So this cover is X-23 and Shogun in a battle stance and then Siphon's big old head behind him. I hate this cover. Really? I like it. Uh, what do you hate about awful. it? I hate the way X-23 is. I hate such a strong word. I, I'm not fond of the way X-23 is drawn. And I'm not fond of the way Shogun is drawn. And Siphon's big old head in the background just drives me nuts. Huh. Okay. Well, anyway, like I said, I was glad to see this this artist come back. So why don't you show us what we got? Okay. So last we left off, uh, Siphon's hands were being blown off. And this is exactly where this one takes picks up at. Yep. I do like this panel of you see Siphon's hands being blown off and X-23's gun coming out of the top corner. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And basically, Shogun and Scale bust in, and Scale decides to take on Siphon because he has nothing that Siphon wants. Of course, uh, the Phantom L and the other guy, the drunk guy, decide that, oh, these guys are here. They're all here for us. Right. But they don't understand that Siphon and these guys aren't together, even though they just blew off Siphon's hands. Right. But, you know, whatever. So the girl jumps out the window. So the two foxes jump out the window. Yes. And Scale is still fighting Siphon, who now has hands again. They grew back, or they reattached one or the other. His healing factor. Right. So we see Sabretooth fighting the drunk guy on the balcony, and then we see them yelling, and I'm pretty sure they put the, the lines in the wrong figures. Okay, because that didn't make any sense yeah, whatsoever. Because Sabretooth's talking on the left, and the drunk guy's talking on the right. But that looks like Sabretooth on the right. I mean, they're both sketchy, but... He's brown and yellow, so it's got to be Sabretooth. Right. So they're still fighting Siphon. They're beating his head against the wall, stabbing him and Unfortunately, they can't kill him and get rid of him in this series, but he's still there. So X-23 stops the foxes, and when she does, Mystique says, okay, let's knock him out. Let's take him on board. Yeah. So Mystique's trying to explain that, hey, we're here to help. We just want to talk. And Mystique just shoots him with tranquilizer darts. Yeah. Load him up. So they blow up the apartment, which I'm assuming that Siphon was still in. And then the foxes wake up and they're like, oh, we're on some kind of a ship. We do this weird panel where we jump back and forth between Dawkin and the foxes. And then we do the same thing with 
different characters in this book. There's a whole lot of like where Weird someone where one sentence finishes another sentence between characters. Uh, one of the things I was going to complain about this book is the pacing felt really off to me. Well, for in this one where we, we start this jumping back and forth, I thought the foxes were in the same room with Dawkins. Did you get the same feeling? No, but I, I can see where you would think that. Just every, it's just really weird, and I'm not real fond of the stylistic choice they made with this. So basically, we jump around. We have two Sabertooths. One of them is obviously Mystique, but I don't know which one's which, even after reading the issue. I didn't even catch that it was Mystique. One of them wants to play cards with Dawkins. One of them wants to yell at Lady Deathstrike. I'm assuming the one that wants to yell at Lady Deathstrike. It's probably Mystique, because yeah. she's trying to manipulate her team. Then Sinister and Phantom L both at the same time talking about how nothing is impenetrable. Phantom L talking about Sinister's fortress. Sinister talking about Wolverine's body. Sinister gets Spock ears in this issue with this artist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Dawkins kind of blacks out. Mystique punches a mirror and cries about her own deceit, which I don't buy because she likes being deceptive. So I think she would be happy about all this. But whatever. They're trying to make us sympathetic towards her somehow. She's got a list, too. Yeah, but the list seems to be a good list. It's like, don't trust Sabretooth. Dawkins must be, can only be cured by Sinister, blah, blah, blah. Like, kind of makes sense. I don't know why this list makes her cry, but whatever. I like how they draw Sabretooth, or I'm sorry, draw Sinister. His cape almost looks like demon wings. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then, of course, the alarms are tripped. As Mystique's ship is approaching, and Sinister's like, All right, go get him. I want him alive. Or if you have to kill him, I want to do an autopsy. Or is that a different issue? Am I, am I mixing up my stories? I am. That's totally from all new X-Men that we'll talk about later. No, he wants them all alive because he wants to study their genes. And uh, then we see them all jumping out of the ship, a big team picture. And what's actually a pretty awesome panel. That's actually the only awesome panel. Really? I like the art in this book. No. Oh, you liked her last time, which is Drew X-23. Yeah, I don't like her now. Oh, okay. I do. Why don't you like about it? I don't know. I just, I, I think what turned me off is when things are up close, I think she does a great job. When they're far away and she's trying to get a lot of detail in, it just gets messy. Well, yeah, she has kind of a sketchy style when she zooms out. But I don't mind that that much. I don't mind it either. But like, it got weird. Like, she, the one of the foxes has two arms, and I know it's because she's tr- they're trying to show like motion. But yes. I think there could have been a better way than just drawing two arms. Well, I, I really like her mystique a lot. That panel of her punching the mirror is an awesome panel. Yeah, and I do like this close up of Foxy Lady. Not crazy about. The sinister Spock ears, but that's really my only complaint. Well, that. and on the back page, she really upset me because X-23 looks like Britney Spears. I need a figure. It just, uh, I see Britney Spears. Oh, okay. And that's really upsetting to me. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares tonight. Do. Yeah, so, I like the art more than you. What do you think of the story? I couldn't follow it. It was hard. I thought I understood what was going on, and then I realized I didn't. I get that a lot of it was from the jumping around and the weird split panels and whatnot. And so even yeah. after knowing that and rereading it, I still didn't understand some of yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little hard to follow. And the pacing is just really, feels really jumbled. The story kind of feels messy. A little bit, a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Oh, 
What did you point out, of course, uh, we find out the full extent of Sinister's motives is he wants to pull a, he wants to bring Wolverine back to life. Yes. Which, he doesn't want, just want to mess with the genetic material or clone. He wants to actually, or maybe that's how he wants to do it, is by cloning. So that, maybe that's an incorrect statement. But he wants to either recreate or re, re, whatever, Wolverine, reanimate, whatever. Yeah. Frankenstein, it's yeah. alive. Yeah. All right. So we're going to grade Wolverine's number four. Sorry, it's only getting three out of six. I'm also going to give it three out of six claws. So overall, series I'm enjoying. Um, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I I am too, <coughs> but they need to go somewhere really quickly. Well, that's going to be the problem with the weekly series is we're going to get little baby steps. Oh gosh, so, I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. Anyways, so that's our uh, that's our Wolverines. Hey hey, we're the Wolverines. Wolverines. People say we snicked around, but we're, we're too busy healing for anyone to keep us down. Okay, so real quick, we're going to uh, cover a few loose ends. It's not quite, hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? And it's not quite a requiem for Wolverine, but it's just a few random almost appearances. And just for the for the completest in me and maybe some of you, we're just going to hit them real fast. So we have X-Men 23, Nightcrawler 10, and Amazing X-Men number 15. X-Men 23 is The Burning World, Part 1, written by G. Willow Wilson, penciled by Roland Bashi, Bashi Ball, <laughs> inked by J. Shh, listen. Colors by Lee Luffridge, letters by V.C.'s Travis Lanham. That's a, a new V.C. letter for me. And then the cover is by Terry and Rachel Dodson. And the cover's pretty cool, pretty standard Dodson. We have the, uh, the Women of X... Crawling down into a hole. Looks like we have Psylocke, Rachel, Storm, and Monet. Pretty good cover. So basically, um, there's some force in nature that's going out of control. And uh, the X-Men are trying to stop it. Storm tries to control the elements because that's her power. But they fight back. And she ends up buried underground. And she uh, hallucinates and sees Logan. And uh, her hallucination kind of gives her a pep talk. Which was kind of cool. It's kind of like what she thinks... Wolverine would tell her in this situation. So it was, it was a nice little scene. Uh, that, that's all we have there. So I was pretty stoked uh, to see G. Willow Wilson come to this book. Of course, she's the acclaimed writer and creator of the new Miss Marvel. And um, this adjectiveless X-Men series has been not bad, but kind of boring. We had, you know, the um, Brian Wood stuff. And then the Guggenheim stuff. And none of it was horrible. It just wasn't all that interesting. So I'm kind of hoping uh, Miss Wilson here can uh, save the series. Kind of make it relevant again. And maybe a little bit important in the X universe. You know, maybe give the old Bendis X books a run for their money. I would love to see that. And I think she's perfectly capable. This first chapter of her first story is not a bad setup. Uh, the art, I'm not real familiar with this guy. This bocce ball. But, um... He's very sketchy, and some panels are pretty cool, but some panels are really ugly. You know, there's this, there's this thing with this kind of sketchy style. You know, and there's, and a lot of times I like it. You know, we, we kind of are having the uh, imageification of the big two, uh, for lack of a better phrase. And I, I think it's mostly a good thing. Um, I don't want every book to look the same, but I feel like it's good to sprinkle some of this style into Marvel and DC. But, um... Sometimes I feel like 
the people who aren't the best at this. Sometimes what they call style, I just think are ugly panels. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the sketchy art isn't it. Like the guys that do it best, yeah, it may be sketchy and it may be simple and it may not be like as liney or have, you know, have as much line work, but... It never, the, the people I like to do this the best, it never looks like they're taking a panel off. And it's, you know, one example of this book. Uh, there's, a, there's a panel where Jubilee is uh, playing with baby Shogo, and she's, you know, kind of helping the baby walk. You know how, you know, you, you kind of carry the baby, but you let it walk on the floor. You know, every parent, uncle, sibling has done that at some point in their life. But the baby doesn't look like a baby. Like her arm, or Shogo's arm is like all out of whack. And I don't know, like, just take like five more minutes and make the baby look more like a baby. Anyway, that's that's nitpicking and complaining and whatever, but overall the art was okay. The story was good. I think it is probably going more places than it actually went in this setup, but that's fine. I will say the characterization of the X-Men was, was interesting and fun. And that's kind of what G. Willow Wilson's known for, kind of some good character moments. So it was it was fine. Um, overall, I'll give X-Men number 23, three out of six claws. All right, Nightcrawler 10 is written by Chris Claremont, art by Todd Nauck, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, Letters again by VCs Travis Landham. And then Nauk and Rosenberg did the cover. And I really, really like this cover. It's basically real red tone with some like black and white with red. It looks really cool. And uh, basically Nightcrawler. And then we have like the Shadow King. But the Shadow King looks like an evil monster from a children's book. And I mean that in the best way possible. I think this is a very striking cover and really cool Unfortunately, the book doesn't really live up. We're still in the Shadow King story, and somehow the X-Men are able to break free of the control. They get rid of the Shadow King for now, and uh, Kurt gets stabbed and almost dies, and he kind of goes to almost heaven where he sees Amanda. You know, of course, they've been, they promised each other they would reunite, and Amanda says they're kind of in a go-between heaven and earth. Kind of reminded me of, uh, what's that? Not Angels in the Outfield. What was the one with Michael Landon and the guy with the beard? Uh, highway to heaven yeah so it kind of reminded me of that in a weird way but anyway um so you know amanda says you know just like you have things left to do on earth i have things i need to do here but we will see each other again soon and then for some reason there's a a big phoenix fire and we see the spirits of gene gray and wolverine and uh they say hey we're x-men this is what we do blah 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 it's kind of dumb so the art still by todd now still awesome in this series Still a fantastic looking book. This story's just stupid. Um, I mean, this, th- these are the kind of issues that make me fully in the corner of the uh, the contingency of comic fans that, that think Chris Claremont needs to hang it up and retire. And these are the kind of issues that I say, yep, yep, you probably should. So I'm going to give Nightcrawler number 10. Just because of the art, I will give it two out of six claws. All right. So, let's do Amazing X-Men number 15, The Once and Future Juggernaut. Written by Christopher Yost. Art by Jorge Fornes. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And cover by Chris Anka. And in this cover, we have a glowing gem or crystal of Sitorak or Sidorak. 
and a uh, skeleton of the juggernaut pinned to a wall with his giant costume hanging loosely off the bones. It's a very menacing and pretty cool cover, and of course, nicely colored. So kudos to Chris Aka. Basically, uh, Colossus has a dream that the Sidorak Jim is back. It's back on Earth, calling to him. And he tells the X-Men, and they say, all right, let's go get it, but you're not coming. You've had too much... Corrupt, you've been corrupted too much by this before, and I know you'd like to redeem yourself, but now's not the time, so you stay here, and we're going to go get the gym. And so they do. that Colossus is hanging out, and he looks at a picture of the old X-Men team. That's our Wolverine foe appearance. It's a photograph of Wolverine in a cowboy hat with the other X-Men. And Colossus gets angry. He's like, I can't believe, you know, i got to stay here. He's talking to Trance. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's sitting outside Logan's office where there's a bunch of candles lit, you know, as a vigil, with another photograph of the old X-Men team. You know, he's bitching about how he can't go on the mission. And he says, well, what would Wolverine do? And Trent says, you team up with a teenage girl and go kill the bad guys. So nice little joke there. I thought that was pretty funny. And Colossus is like, hmm, thank you. And she's like, yeah, whatever. So we know they're going to go kind of try to find the X-Men. And then uh, the X-Men are there with the... With the demon, or sorry, with the crystal and the a big demon pops up and, you know, that's where we kind of leave off. Then we see Colossus uh, finds Pixie and says, hey, you got to take me to the X-Men. They need me. So, thought this art was pretty good. Not really familiar with this guy. The only thing I didn't like is his unarmored Peter, you know, Colossus before he armors up, is a little bit too thin. Like, I know he's supposed to be bigger when he's in armor. But he was still a pretty buff guy, or historically he's always been a pretty buff guy, even as Peter. And so I think his Peter looks a little too gaunt before he armors up. But other than that, I thought the art was really pretty good. I actually liked it quite a bit. I mean, the story's interesting enough. You know, kind of the, we kind of start off with a Temple of Doom kind of thing with people looking for the crystal and then the X-Men go to get it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to give Amazing X-Men 15... I'll give it a four out of six claws. We'll see where the story goes. So anyway, that's kind of our miscellaneous, almost Wolverine appearances. So uh, there you go. Okay, now it's time for our Wolverine roundup. Yeehaw! I mean, yeah, I know technically everything we're doing now is pretty much under a roundup. Um, right. <laughs> this Wolverine's dead. But, you know... We'll kind of carve out the Wolverines miniseries and then do everything else where we normally do it. As so, a roundup. Yep. So we, we're going to round up all new X-Men number 35 and Uncanny Avengers number one, the new series. Of course, all new X-Men features X-23. Uh, when, we, when we decide to call Good Sabretooth Pussycat is an Pussycat. Uncanny Avengers number one. He's on the uh, Avengers Unity Squad. So... So first up, we have All New X-Men number 35. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Mahmoud Azrar, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, Woo-hoo! and the cover is by Sarah Pacelli and Marte Gracia. What's on the cover? Who is not on the cover? Yeah. We've got Miles as... Superior Spider-Man? Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man, sorry. Our whole audience just groaned in unison. Or sighed. It was probably a mixture of groaning and sighing. That's the sound I make when... Anyway, he's uh, squatting in the middle of a big red X. He's got some webbing in front of him, but I won't tell you what that looks like. 
I think it looks like webbing. <laughs> You're so innocent. Ah, that's me, uh, innocent Jason. We've got Iceman. We've got X-23, Angel, Beast, Kitty, and... Gene. Is that Gene? Yes, that's Gene Gray. These are, these are the all-new X-Men on the cover of their book. I actually, Her hair just doesn't look long enough, sorry. Her hair has been shorter in this series. Oh, like no, no, pixie cut short. short. Yeah. All right, it's a little short. But I Thank like you. it, though. I actually like this cover quite a bit. I do, too. Of course, I like Sarah Pacelli. I particularly like, of course, Pacelli's an old pro at drawing Ultimate Spider-Man. But Miles looks really cool on this cover. He does Especially look really cool. in front of the red X. Well, in his, from an artistic standpoint, the way one leg flares out and the other one flares up, it helps your eye rotate around the cover. Okay. As access points around the different superheroes. Or right. I like how some of the X-Men are inside the X and some are, are behind the X. Yes. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of overlapping involved. Yeah. I, I dig it. And then, of course, we have the, the action lines that form the background. I, just, yeah. I think it's a really cool cover. You know, you know what it looks like? <laughs> what? If there was going to be a movie. This would on, be the poster. On this, yeah, on this um, story arc between, you know, the X, the all-new X-Men going to the Ultimate Universe. This would be a fantastic poster for this series. It would. It would. And I really enjoy the colors, too. Yeah. Well, How we they're always muted, love Gracia's colors. He never disappoints. Nope. So, all right. So, anyway, speaking of, of which, we know our X-Men have, they... The all-new X-Men saw a new mutant on Cerebro. They went to see what was going on, and they got uh, booted to another dimension, which happens to be the ultimate Marvel Universe, and, you know, hijinks ensue. So that's where we are. So we start with a giant double-page spread. A giant awesome double-page spread. Can we have a second awesome? <laughs> because this is how awesome it is. How, how did you not let me give Ezra our Wolverine for best artist? Because this <laughs> didn't happen last year. This is this is on par with what he was doing. Anyway, he, he's rocking it. He's rocking this. This book. is probably a good nomination <laughs> for yeah. the next Wolvies. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're at Castle Doom. X twenty three is huge in the foreground. Um, Looks great. Spider Man is taken down. They're, they're all fighting uh, Ultimate Doom bots. Yeah, and it's just. Every character is engaged and there's something going on and your eye literally every time you look at the page, you're like, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, I, who is Beast holding on to? Oh, you know, who's Kitty running through? And so it's flipping amazing. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of designs that I like the ultimate version better. There's, there's a lot I like, but there's not many I prefer. But these Doombot designs, I prefer these to our regular 616 Doombots that are just kind of copies of Doctor Doom. Like, I like the way that they're, they're robots. They still have the green cloak, but there's, they come in different shapes and sizes, and uh, it's really cool. What I love about this panel is, A, it's well-drawn. B, it's well-colored. But oh, yeah. on top of all that, there is so much going on. Do you know how much forethought it took to like oh, yeah. lay this out? I mean, that's why these guys are pros. Awesome. They do this for a living. Okay, so now that we're done drooling over the first inside spread, we get to singular fighting panels. There's a really cool team up of an Ultimate Spider Man and X23. They yeah. kind of have a little plan they do together, but it doesn't, it looks like it involves uh, getting Ultimate Spider Man hurt. Now, I have a question. Yeah. For my, and not for you. 
Oh. <laughs> for my ultimate. Well, I didn't want to answer your stupid question anyway. Yeah, for my ultimate fans out there, is this is this a regular power of Miles that he can kind of go into stealth mode and turn invisible? If so, I think that's pretty sweet. But okay. somehow Doctor Doom sees him anyway. And of course, Gene. I think I think you know all new Gene might have a little thing for Ultimate Spidey. Might. Um, but even if does. she doesn't, she doesn't want to see her new friend die. No. So, so she's super concerned. And then we uh, kick back to the past. Yep, we kick back and both. Well, not really the past. I mean, technically the past. A few hours, hours before. before. Yeah. Uh, so both genes are in Cerebro, and they're trying to find the mutant that brought them, that brought the X Men to this universe. Yeah. And so they're kind of bantering back and forth and, and talking about how weird it is to talk to themselves. And so they they discover this new mutant signature. And uh, what are we calling this gene? The well, there's ultimate gene and young gene. Okay, or all so new gene or just gene. I don't know. So but I guess now she's the gene we have. So. so young gene is like, hey, I've seen this signature before. This is the signature the mutant was setting off. So she's here too. And so they decide, okay, we need to find him or find her so we can send you guys back. And I got to say, the um, for all my uh, early 2000s comic fans, uh, the energy signature, when it first kind of starts warping, when they notice it, kind of, it's not two colors, it's all one color, but it kind of looks like the old cross-gen energy signature from their line. So anyway, just a little shout out for that. So they decide, you know, let's get the X-Men together. Can I? And she she asks if they can borrow. It's funny. She goes, "Can we borrow an X plane or X bus or an X?" <laughs> X bus. Where's the X limo when you need it? Yeah. And um, so, um, Ultimate Gene says, "You know, hey, we're gonna grab my X Men to go grab your X Men." And of course, uh, Young Gene's like, "All right, let's let's do it. Let's go." And Ultimate Gene's kind of being a party pooper. Well, and I love this conversation between the two of them. <laughs> this is one of my favorite. Uh, little says, exchanges in the book. Young Jean goes, you know, the self-loathing voice in my head is easier to take when it's in my head and not standing right in front of me. <laughs> Same with the overly confident me. And that's when she says, can we borrow the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I just love how they're like, wow. Um, yeah, I'm more comfortable when my inside voice is actually inside. Inside. Right. But it's cool. Uh, I like ultimate Jean here because she's like, um, well, aren't my team's going to come with you. The X-Men are in trouble. Like, we're all, we may be from different places. We may not really know each other, but we're all X-Men. Right. And, so you know, we all need to stick together. Yeah. And then Young Jean says, I like you. I, said, all right, I think them together works really well. It's, yeah. it's been fun to read. Kind of makes me wish I had an alter ego me. <laughs> an alternate you. Yeah, and then I could get up in the morning and go, oh, I don't like my hair today. And she'd be like, oh, you look awesome. Right. You can conquer the world. <laughs> All right, so, so we go to Ultimate Latveria. And Beast and Doom are having a conversation. If you remember, yeah. Doom is controlling Beast. Yeah, and Beast is pouting about it. But yeah. But how he's helping Dr. Doom. And so basically Doom's like, hey, guess what? You're going to do this for me because I can control your mind. So just give in. And Beast is like, please don't make me do this. And he's like, nope, because you know what? Somewhere out there is another me, and I want to meet the other me's. Yeah. Yeah, basically he wants young Beast to help him figure out how to hop dimensions. Yeah. And so then we 
switch over to weapon X and X23. In the Canadian wilderness. Yeah. And X23 is just having some issues. She's not really enjoying the fact that mutants were created by humans. Yeah. And worse by like really bad, horrible experiments on humans. Right. And so she's having, she's uh, venting, letting her frustration out. I do love this conversation between um, Angel and uh, James, I guess. Ultimate James. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, you know, I'm surprised you're not freaking out. And Angel's, I, I like his response. I'll freak out later. Right. And, and that's, I guess that's kind of what I like about Angel and X-23 being together. Is he's like, all right, she's going to flip out. So I'm going to be the sane one momentarily. And then, you know, later in my quiet time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like how he calls uh, Ultimate James Little Wolverine. Yeah. I like that too. And I also like the... Um, now, is, is Angel saying this? Hey, you going to make snow angels all day? No, no, no. That's uh, the genes. Oh, okay. Because I thought, for a minute there, I thought Angel was saying it. I kind of enjoyed his interjection of humor. Yeah, but I like X-23 here kind of struggle is it like, everywhere we go is just shit. Why can't we right. go somewhere that like makes us want to be better, that shows us like what we can achieve? Where rainbows pop out of unicorns' butts. Yeah. Um, so then both the genes show up. Um, they all banter back and forth about, you know, ooh, I actually am happy to see you. And then, so they get on the bus or airplane. They get on the ultimate blackbird. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. And apparently they're all, wow, Angel's alive. Yeah, so ultimate Angel died. So, of course, Angel's having a problem that his alter ego self is dead. And Kitty is like, oh, I'm a professor? That's so cool. But yeah, she, I'm, I'm sorry you died. Right. <laughs> I like how Ultimate Spider-Man, all right, so through this series of panels, he's kind of staring ahead, then he kind of looks at the conversation. He asks how he's going to say something. Then the next panel is like, no, no, no. And then he face palms. Yeah. <laughs> but this whole time he's being very un-Spider-Manly quiet. And then he's like, please stop. <laughs> um, and so Iceman apparently has Googled himself and discovered that... Hey, Iceman sighting in Hotlanta. Let's go. Yeah. And remember, in the Ultimate Universe, Hotlanta is a literal. Yeah, it's literally like 103 oh, it's degrees. It's the hottest place on Earth. It's like Death Valley. Yeah. So Iceman is being... He's run out of ice. He's being cornered by the police, but then he gets his ice back. And how does he get his ice back? From Ultimate Storm, which she I do makes... love her design, by the way. I do, too. And I, I love how he's like, hey, cool, I know you. I, I love this uh, Iceman's just... He's, he's like, wait, do I know you? Yeah. I love his conversation. So he gets on the plane. They decide there's only one more mutant they have to find. And, and that's Young Beast, who's arguing with Dr. Doom. And so uh, basically, they, Doom has discovered that the Blackbird has gone into their airspace. Yep. And he's like, yeah, just shoot him down. Look for the corpses. Bring them to me. This I is the line I got mixed up earlier when I thought Sinister said this in the Wolverines. And he's uh, like, make sure if they die, you bring the bodies in for autopsy. Yeah. Yeah. This is from this book, <laughs> from Dr. Doom. And McCoy is like, no, please don't. Please don't. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. You're you're going to keep doing what you do for me. And so then the Icemen, we go back to the Blackbird. <laughs> yes, and the, the Icemen are arguing. Are annoying each other. And yeah. everyone is happy that they're annoying each other because right. they're not annoying them. <laughs> right. So then they decide they're going to telepathically connect to Beast. 
And they just, you know, Beast is like, hey, Doom's controlling my yep. mind. So and the so, genes get together and <clears throat> kick Dr. Doom out of his head. And this he, is flipping cool. Yeah, and a really awesome panel. A young Beast basically taking Dr. Doom out and just tackling it. Or no, I guess, wait. Is it Doom? Dr. Doom? Ha- I guess maybe it's a Doom bot that's guarding him. Is Dr. Doom, or Van Doom here, doesn't have horsey legs, does he? I don't know. I was about to ask you if <laughs> Doom had cloven feet. I know some of the Doom bots do, because we saw that in the first page, but I didn't think the actual, or does he? Uh, yeah, I, what? I don't actually know. I know they all have different legs, so maybe this We're is We're going to assume that it's Dr. Doom. Doom. Bot. I'm going to say it's a Doom bot. You think it's a Doom bot? You know what? I no. think it's Doom. I don't know. I, I vote Doom. Let's see. Let's go back. Because Miles is attacking the actual Doom. So let's go back to where he's about to get obliterated. And, yeah. All right. I guess Doom has horsey legs. Okay. So Beast attacks Doom. Yeah. The Jean girls are like, yes, we did it. Woohoo. Yeah. So then they decide, all right, we're all going to attack. Everybody goes in. And Doom gives out his order. No mutant lives. In this castle alive, incinerate them in front of each other. And then we go back to the beginning uh, where Miles gets, invisible Miles gets detected and blasted by Ultimate Doom. And then we and that's blow our out. Hanger. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the castle with a giant explosion to yeah. be continued. It's a pretty good cliffhanger. I awesome don't think Miles is going to die because I'm pretty sure he's going to come over to our universe after, or be part of the new universe after Secret Wars, but it's still a good cliffhanger. Yeah. So I think the art is amazing. Colors are amazing. Um, man, I just, I love the way this book looks. And I had yeah. a lot of fun with the story. Any, I did too. Any disagreements with any of that? No. Okay. Not X-23, you know, got a little bit more in, of her. Um, I, I really, I know I was really down on X-23 when I first started reading stuff with her in it. I feel like the last couple issues of Wolverines and what Bendis is doing in this book is really kind of showcasing what's cool about X-23. Yes, I agree. And it's making me like her. Like, not just as a girl character, but just as a character in general. Oh, speaking of that, isn't there a part where um, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man calls... um, Oh, yeah, he goes, cover me, Lady Wolverine. And she goes, call me that again and see what body part I take. Yeah. And that was really funny. I, I, I don't know. I love X-23. In fact, if I I think next Halloween I'm going to be X-23. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Especially after you clarified that um, she doesn't have, what did I think she had? Like two claws on one hand and a claw on a foot. So she has a foot claw. Yes, but remember I thought it only came out of like one foot. Oh, right. Yeah, I, don't, I still don't know why you thought that. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, anything else you want to say about this one? No. All right, what are you going to grade all new X-Men number 35? I'm going to give it six out of six. Yeah, you know, I'm enjoying this uh, romp from the Ultimate Universe a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I thought this was a great issue. I'm also going to give it six out of six claws. Awesome. All um, right. So let's go to Uncanny Avengers number one. This, is, of course, is a new series post um, uh, the inversion. What was that called? Uh, Axis. So, this is Counter Evolutionary, written by Rick Remender with art by Daniel Acuna. VC's Clayton Cowles does the letters, and Acuna did the cover. I love this cover. Um, basically, it's our new Uncanny Avengers team uh, taking a tromp through a foreign sci fi land. Vision is front and center, and I gotta say, 
I maybe, love this cover. Maybe it's early. I think Acuna's vision design may be my favorite vision design. Like, period. Like, ever. And there's been a lot of pretty cool vision designs. But I really, really dig this a lot. Then, of course, we have Sabretooth. You know, he's jumping out. Then kind of standing in the background, we have Brother Voodoo, who is going to be up to, rem- up to Remender to win me over on him. I do not traditionally like him very much, so I guess you will, since he's from Nolens. Hey. Then uh, we have Falcon Cap, and I guess he's been around enough months in a row, we can just call him Cap. Then we have Scarlet Witch, Rogue, and Quicksilver. And of course, remember the big reveal from Axis is that Magneto is not their dad. And that's a big part of the internal dialogue in this issue. We start off with some new men in a bar talking about how much they keep calling humans pink sacks. That's disgusting. Yeah, it kind of sounds like they're saying scrotum, which I think Remender probably intended. Um, <laughs> but they're talking bad about him and how they're going to kill him. And this, this cat guy says how much faster he is than Quicksilver. And then Quicksilver runs up. And suddenly he's in the bench next to him. And the elephant man pulls a gun. It's really cool the way they show it because they, they do a panel and Quicksilver's in the same position. But the gun is not no longer an elephant man's hammer on the table in front of Quicksilver. It's pretty awesome. Like he ran and got it, but we didn't even see it because it was so fast. So then uh, the cat man runs and Quicksilver chases them down. We get a pretty cool chase scene. Uh, Scarlet Witch shows up. I really like, <coughs> I really like her new costume. So again, another cool Acuna design. It reminds me of oh, She-Ra. A little bit, but it's more modern. I, I think all these Acuna designs are pretty sweet. And then he did. He did Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and touched up on Rogues and, of course, the Vision. I uh, love Rogues. Cap, that's uh, pretty much, he's sticking pretty true to uh, Eminem's design. And then I don't know enough. I don't know if this is a new Brother Voodoo or not. But the Sabretooth design, I don't. I think Chris Anka may have done that, question mark. But it's the same one that we have in Wolverine. It's kind of the old, kind of a cross between early 90s Jim Lee Sabretooth costume and old brown and yellow Wolverine costume. Which makes sense, as he's kind of a cross <laughs> between himself and the Wolverine now, anyway. Anyway, Scarlet Witch. Uh, so we find out that this whole world is all animal people. But Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver catch the cat guy, and then but someone takes him out. And we find out uh, he's not just going to take them out, but the cat man as well. He, did, he wasn't there to save anybody. So then um, we get a lot of inner dialogue about how, you know, the Avengers Unity Squad is decimated. Our heroes aren't what they were. Steve Rogers is old. Thor's not Thor. Wonder Man's in my head. This is Rogue speaking. Logan's dead. But we got to try to pull it together. And they're on the hunt for Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. They ran off. And we know they're a little bit unhinged because of what they just found out. So they've gone to find their friends. Of course, Vision is real bitter about his ex-wife. And people are like, you're an android. You shouldn't have bitterness. But we know better. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they trace them to Wondagore Mountain, which is kind of their place of origin. I like how Dr. Voodoo has Sabretooth on a mystical leash. He's uh, tracking them. And Sabretooth's a good guy, but no one trusts him yet. And I really kind of like this dichotomy, or uh, this balance of, like, Sabretooth, he's going to have to prove himself. Yeah. And I hope we kind of build up to something that he does that just really just slams it. That, like, maybe even a situation where he wants, is really tested and wants to just revert back to his bad self. 
when he comes through and bees a hero. I hope there's a big moment, and as much as I'm digging the Wolverine series, I hope it's in this book with with the Avengers team. That he really just shows himself to just really be like has a really heroic moment and gains everybody's trust. But that is not automatic. It's over time. Yeah. But but he needs like a moment to kind of to show to prove himself. But I like the way that they're using him. And they're like, yeah, we need you. We'll have you tag along. But, you know, you're you're literally on a short magical leash. <laughs> but he finds them, but then the scent goes cold inside this cave. And they realize that uh, they must have teleported out somewhere. But they get knocked out by this guy who looks like, uh, who actually looks a lot like uh, Baron Karza from the Micronauts mixed with Tron. Um, but anyway, a lot of Acuna's designs you can throw mixed with Tron in there. It works. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to try to follow him. Brother Voodoo casts a spell, but then this guy interrupts it. But they're like, please finish the spell. So they do. And they get cast to Counter-Earth. If you old school Marvel people remember, Counter-Earth was this thing way back in the day. And I think it's been used since then as well. But I remember it from way back in the day. And it's an Earth that's our Earth, but different. But we never saw it because it's exactly on the other side of the sun. You know, it's old, old Marvel sci-fi that doesn't really work in the real world. But back then, maybe we didn't know better. <laughs> and so we just chalk it up to magic, whatever now. But anyway, at one point, the high evolutionary took over this planet and did his high evolutionary stuff and made animal people. And so this is where we're going. So I guess at some point, I know there are a lot of old Avengers stories that involve Counter-Earth that I haven't read all of them. I guess at some point, Vision had a Vision family there. So he meets his Vision wife now. Some guy that looks like a he'd be a bad guy from a Battle of the Planets. You remember that with all the Hawk people in space? No. Uh, what was the other name for it? There was another name for when it was on in America. I don't remember what it was called. Um, shit. Anyway, he looks like one of their bad guys. I expect his cape, because he has a, literally has a beak for a nose. and a, he, He's like the Pope of Battle of the Planets. He has his little Pope hat, and his, it, looks like, it looks like his cape's going to turn into wings. But he has Rogue, and he's feeding her applesauce. See, this guy reminded me of if Gollum, the Pope, and Toucan Sam had a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a threesome I'd get on pay-per-view. <laughs> Anyway, he's feeding her blue applesauce. Because she loves applesauce or anything flavored with apples. But he says, we get a little reveal here. I don't know how true it is because we go away from this scene. But he says that he pulled Wonder Man out of her consciousness. Like pulled out the ionic energy and he's got it somewhere else now. And Rogue is just Rogue. So we'll see how that works. Anyway, Captain America is captured by some tree people, and we find out these are not nice tree people, that they turn you into trees. And he's about to turn um, Sam uh, into a tree, and that's where we leave off there. And then Sabretooth uh, wakes up in a fountain, and all the people are like, oh, he's disgusting, he's not a real animal person, which they knew Sabretooth. <laughs> he's uh, all, he's, in the past, he's been more animal than man a lot of times. But And I will say, so I was a little confused here, because the stuff the Pope was oh, feeding. Right, back to Bird Pope. Yeah. All of, his, all of his stuff is blue. Yeah, it's blue, and it's this weird, like, 
It's boopy. Yeah, like squared textured. And then when you get over to the trees, it's blue with square textures. Oh. And so. I don't know. I was like, "Eh, is she still hallucinating? I don't know. No, this this is a show where everybody landed. Oh. So, did I skip Dr. Voodoo or did he not land anywhere? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. He landed in a decimated city. I'm sorry. I completely skipped over that. But yeah, so Sabretooth, all the animal people are like, unclean, unclean, and they're going to attack him. But before that can happen, the high evolutionary shows up with his new men. He says, we're going to wipe out these old vermin, referring to Sabretooth. And I guess, you know, he'll find the rest of the Avengers at some point. I don't know. So anyway, I thought the art was really cool. What do you think of the art? I don't know if you've ever done an Acuna book before with us. Have you? Uh, uh, I don't Maybe. know. I don't remember. Maybe one or two. Yeah. Maybe he's done a cover that I've seen. He's probably done cover. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what, what did you think of the art? I liked it. it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it suits very well these kind of sci-fi type stories. Yes, I agree with that. I don't think it would be my favorite to read a whole bunch of, but in this situation, I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I will admit, not a big fan of the high evolutionary in general. I was confused, but I I didn't know about the whole counter-Earth. Yeah, okay. And so, all that's kind of silly. I like the drama in this book between the characters. Like I said, I really enjoy what they're doing with Sabretooth. When they're using him, but they don't really trust him, he's got to prove himself. Really looking forward to what Remender does with that story arc. And, you know, I like just what's going on with all the characters. Right. This plot, I don't really care that much about. I also think it's interesting. I mean, I like the idea of, like, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver trying to, like, uncover their true heritage. Like, I'm very interested in that. And I know that that, that all goes back to Wondegore and the High Evolutionary and all that stuff. Like, it's all interrelated, so it makes sense as part of the bigger story of what we're going to kind of reestablish as their new origin. But overall... Kind of meh on the plot, but loving the characterization. I'm there with you. Okay. So, uh, when do you want to grade Uncanny Avengers number one? Okay, so for all of those reasons, I'm on the fence. Between a three and a four. Okay. Part of me wants to give it a three because there were things that I totally didn't understand, but do I blame the book for things that I didn't understand, or do I blame the writing for not explaining? I was going to say, I think at some point you have to say that the idea... You got to go back to the old Stan Lee rule. Treat every comic book like it's a reader's first. Now, that doesn't have to be the old Chris Claremont, Bill Mantlo, whatever way where they explain everything in super exposition. Right. And, give, and basically every issue has a, like a page recap. You know, but part of the way they get by this, and a lot of Marvel books do this, not every Marvel book, but they actually on the title page will give you a little recap. Yeah. Did you read that? No. I should have told you to read that. That probably I'm would have been sorry. helpful. Yeah, they, they talk about like the inversion, about Magneto not being their dad and stuff like that. They didn't talk about Counter-Earth, but anyway. Um, yeah, but I think, I think it is up to kind of the writer and the artist and whatever to make sure that people know what's going on. And so even if you had never read Counter-Earth before, see, I felt like their explanation of just saying, Hey, it's like our Earth, but on the hidden on the other side of the sun. I think that pretty much sums it up. But uh, yeah, but it didn't explain like the animals. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of like, huh? Right. You don't know the. You may know the. This con- is like what is it? 
um, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only yeah. on the other side of the... I, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I can get that. And in that case, I would say maybe it's a little bit of a fail. Yeah. That they didn't communicate. Right. I think we will probably see a little more of that next issue because the High Evolutionary is only on the last page. And I'm pretty sure he's mostly responsible for all this. So maybe we'll get a little more explanation next issue on that. But we'll see. All right. I'm going to give it a four. Just okay. because maybe if I had read that intro page, it would have been a little bit clearer. And if you have a knowledge, a comic book knowledge to all of this, you probably would enjoy it a little bit more than I did. So I'll give it a four because maybe if I knew all this, I would have enjoyed it more. Maybe. Otherwise, it gets a three. Well, I do know most of this. And I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers number one, four out of six claws as well. Okay. Like I said, really enjoyed the art. Really enjoyed the uh, dialogue. Not crazy about the overall story, or at least the background of the plot. But we'll see. Maybe Reminder can sell me on this. He sold me on a lot of stuff I didn't previously like, and he's done that before. So maybe he'll make this really cool. But in general, I think the new men, the high evolutionary, counter Earth, all that stuff's kind of lame. So we'll see what he does with it. Okay. Uh, but so we're both going to... Come from various places, but settle in the same place and give Uncanny Avengers number one, four out of six claws. So that is going to do it for our Wolverine Roundup. Yeehaw! All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we caught up with the Wolverines, and we did some other stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, unlike... A lot of times I actually know exactly what will be next episode because it's already been recorded. I just have to edit it. Uh, we're going to have a flashback episode with a special guest. And it's not me. No. <laughs> and we're going to do the X-Men and Micronauts miniseries from uh, 1984. Are I you think. sure? Maybe 83. <laughs> I had the same question when we did the episode and I had to look, but now I don't have the issues in front of me anymore. So now we're not going to look. Pretty sure it's 84. Um, anyway, that, that old miniseries. We're going to do that with a special guest. It's a good episode. I can tell you that because we already recorded it. So I can say with confidence, it's good stuff. And we'll get that out soon. And hopefully that'll get us kind of back on a regular schedule. Anyway, uh, please leave an iTunes review. Uh, please like the Facebook page. Please do not email snickcast at yahoo.com. We don't read them. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to read. <laughs> um, we don't even check it. Yeah. Uh, show notes and other stuff on the webpage at snickcast.podbean.com. And, of course, Twitter, where most of the fun is, is at snickcast. And I guess that's going to do it. So, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.